0: Again. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Why don't you stand to your feet if you're able? We're so excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning and celebrate this wonderful Christmas season. So, we're going to start off by singing a few Christmas carols together.
1: Hallelujah. 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 Oh, come let us adore him and we'll praise his name forever. Within that simple course, really rings up our hearts at this time of year. Praise and worship. It was part of the Christmas story we read in Matthew chapter 2, how the wise men, when they came in, they finally found the child with his mother Mary. How they came, and it says they worshiped him. And they laid before him their gifts. Worship and praise has been part of the nativity, the Christmas story, since the angels first announced it, to the shepherds in the fields. And 2,000 years later, we are still worshiping the one who came, the one who came. And like we just sang, because he came, we will praise his name forever. Amen? Amen. See, Jesus came to Bethlehem for a reason, for a purpose. We were born just, well, my mother always said by mistake. But I mean, I always think we have a purpose. But you see, Jesus came on purpose, planned at the right time for a reason. See, we celebrate Christmas as a baby being born, but we know that that baby grew. We know that he became a man and that one day, one day he would take a walk carrying a cross that wasn't his own and that he would lay down his life for us. The next song we're going to sing is, Here I Am to Worship. Worship is is a response to who God is, how he has touched our hearts, our life. It's a recognition that he is almighty and that he is great. It's a surrender. You know, sometimes, sometimes we don't always feel like worshiping. But when we lay ourselves aside and acknowledge who we are worshiping and we give him that worship and praise that he is worthy of, there's something that happens in our hearts and in our lives. James chapter 4, I say it a lot, but it talks about when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And let me encourage you today, not just today, but any day when you feel things and pressures of life are hard and difficult and you might not feel like worshiping, that is the best time to worship and to draw near to him who can touch your heart and your life. Draw near to him today. And as we sing this chorus, let's sing it. In recognition of who He is, but also what He's done. Because we'll never fully know how much it costs to see our sin upon His cross. Let's worship Him. chorus, here I am to worship. Here I am. Here I am, God, to worship you, to praise you. Psalms 100 says this, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with godness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good. It is he who made us church I'll admit for myself that this past year has been hard for us as a family but I stand here before you today to say that through it all God has been good his steadfast love has never wavered never changed never moved from the heart he put it in many years ago. God doesn't change. Life can take us all over. Now, Leanne and I used to love the roller coasters. Do you ever notice that moment in your life where roller coasters, they just became a little bit rougher than they used to. You see, life can sometimes feel like that, right? Eh? And we can get off one of those loops and we can kind of go, oh, that was rough. I just want you to know that through it all, wherever you are, God is good. And his love for you has never changed. This Christmas, and if some of you have some extra time off, and I know it's busy. Find some time, find some time to just tell your Heavenly Father how much you love Him and how much you need Him to continue to hold you, to lead you, and to guide you. And through it all, praise Him, worship Him, draw near to Him. And He will to you. Our Heavenly Father. God, I am so thankful that God we can be here, that we can gather together. This time of year that Lord, we celebrate the birth of our Savior is also a recognition of looking ahead so that the Savior was born to one day give his life on a cross, on a hill. Though he had done no wrong, he gave his life freely. No one No one took his life. He surrendered it. He gave it as an offering, as a a price for our sins. God, as a price for mine. Lord, you are worthy to receive all praise and all glory. Father, right now, at this moment, we just lift praise to you. And we thank you, God, for who you are and what you have done And that, God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That, God, no matter what has happened in the past, your love hasn't changed. Whatever is going on right now, God, your love has not changed. And, God, whatever lies ahead, we know that your love, your presence will not change. So help us, Father, to draw near to you, to know you. And God, I pray for any of those who are on those roller coasters of life that happen, that God, that they might sense your presence and be encouraged to draw near to you and know that God, you will see us through for your glory and for your honor. And God, we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Welcome. Take a couple minutes, and this is a perfect day to say Merry Christmas, isn't it, to someone? So, would you do that? Greet one another? Tell someone Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. glad you're here with us this morning we want to welcome you here if you're visiting with us today uh, and if you've maybe never been here or, or you haven't been here that often you've never filled out a communication card in one of the seats front of you you'll see a communication card if you take a couple minutes and fill that out and take it to the desk you know the connection desk out in the uh, auditorium or out in the lobby that uh, we just have like a Tim's uh, gift card for you just to say welcome. And today, of course, Merry Christmas. We're glad that you're here with us today. Um, Today is a special uh, service that the families are all together. All right. And so if you have small little ones that maybe uh, are getting a little, they need a break. We do have the uh, preschool room set up, and you can go there and be with your little ones. It is not staffed, so it's just uh, a place that you can go and uh, let them run a little bit, all right? And uh, if that helps, that would be great. Our Christmas Eve candlelight service is this evening at 6 p.m. from 6 until 7. I invite someone to join with you. It's a beautiful service together, some beautiful singing, and of course, at the end, how we share and light candles, and again, Reminding us that the light of the world, the reason for the season has come. And uh, we can share in that together. Next Sunday, uh, Sunday, December 31st. Hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, We are having, again, our regular service, but we also wanted to do uh, something special as we kind of end a year and go into a new year. And uh, at the end of the service, we're going to have a special time of prayer and anointing. And we've done that before and anoint you with oil, anoint family with oil, and pray for you and with you. And so we want to invite you to be here next Sunday at 10 a.m. If you've forgotten anything, please sign up for our newsletter. You can do that at connect at a uh, churchconnected.ca. over the last few weeks, we have been uh, participating in celebrating Advent. Advent, as we've been saying, is, is a, a preparation uh, for the grand uh, Christmas, the birth of Christ. But it goes beyond just remembering a baby born because it's also a preparation of our hearts to receive Christ as Savior but then also in anticipation that uh, Jesus is coming again. And in that, we celebrate and we recognize Advent. We've been doing it in different languages. And tonight, uh, Bright and Chioma and family are coming, and they're going to be uh, reading the scripture and praying in Igbo, their natural uh, native tongue. So invite you to come. You'll be able to follow the scriptures on the screen.
2: Merry Christmas, everyone. Luke 7 verse 14. Nihinka, why you are getting no here, you are. They want a bob, me. I got a quiet moon, one woke. I got a quiet high Omege sikwa n'ogwe osisi Jesseputa. Otu alaka nke sitere na mborogwe ya ga amekwa mkuru. Jehova ge kwa, kwa onodu ya naaru ya. Bu mmoke amamihe na ngota. Mmoke ndumodo na idike. Mmoke ihe neugu na Jehova. Nihi na Chineke huruwa na onyere obuna obara akpara na Kọnyọ bulankekwere na ya wegara ilaniyi kama konwendo ebigebe ni hinachineki ezite ya gbara ya nwa ko kama ke we ezite kaya zoputa owa a
3: christmas Miss Chuku carry a ligue noa, a na dintu, ro a babu chuku, tiniere bando na e ligue, oboge carry uru obo ba, obo chuku, there are we ya Wayne Annie Boom Maddo Kanye Naya Ehonanya, weba way bar over Nkabu eheo, Mimi Ducu Maddo, a boy, a water chap Nkabuwa O Marama Anya. Amen. Happy Christmas.
1: We've been uh, sharing in Advent in different languages, which really represent us as a congregation. God brings us all together. And we know that one day, there will be a multitude in heaven from every tribe and nation, and together we shall praise him. And we just like to reflect that That's great. Tonight we're doing our last candle for our Christmas Eve service, and it'll be in English. The only one I can understand. So uh, (laughs) I'll be here. I'll be here. Uh, We want to thank you for your giving over the last year, and uh, we're going to ask the ushers, invite them to come forward. Here at Heartland, there are many ways, and I know we know a lot of people give uh, differently besides uh, just the physical offering, and so there is uh, online you can find, a debit credit at the back, and uh, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness, and again, as we finish up this year, your faithfulness in giving does help us uh, to continue to minister and to serve and to, uh, to be what God has called us to be. Amen. And the ushers, if they come forward... That'll be great. Grandparents are just passing off a kid in order to take up the offering. Thank you. (laughs) I would have kept the kid, but that's all right. That's all right. Let's pray. Can we? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness, your faithfulness to us. We thank you, God, for the many blessings that we do have to thank you for. Bless this gift. Bless this offering, the tithes that are given. And we pray you'd use it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
4: amen before we begin i just want to read a quick scripture just to encourage you it's isaiah chapter 9 and we'll refer to it uh, throughout the message but there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish in the former time he brought into contempt the land of zebulun and the land of naphtali But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, and Galilee of the nations. And just to summarize, there has been great trouble and strife for God's people then and today. But God is making a way, just as he made a way in the past. He's making a way. When you look at that situation, when you look at that context, when you look at that bank account, when you look at that relationship, when you look at all those things you can't control, God's making a way. He's making a way. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. Israel had been brought down to so little numbers, and yet God brought them back up. And maybe today you feel diminished. Life has just worn you down. Like a tide that slowly gets rid of the rock and the sediment and what was once a great mountain becomes a little hill, God can rebuild that which was lost. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his oppressor, the staff for his shoulder and the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Meaning there's a victory coming. I know there are those that come against you. Sometimes that which is within you comes against you. But God will deliver you. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle talmud and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Meaning there is no opposition that will be able to stand against you because for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal or the passion of the lord of hosts will do this father as we talk a little bit about your lights today and your hope your life your love your peace your joy your goodness I pray, God, that you would encourage our hearts, that you would remind us that, that if you came, lived, died, and rose again, we have this incredible opportunity to live in indescribable hope. So, Father, I pray as we read on and, and study your word for just a few moments, encourage our hearts, we pray in Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. and. Thank you, everyone, for being here. Um, is anybody here doing a double duty tonight? You coming back? Oh, a you, oh, many, many of you, many of you, we just we felt in our hearts that we just needed to have <clears throat> a Christmas, well, a Sunday morning service. I mean, I know it's tradition, but we just felt that it was important to do that to give people an opportunity to worship and to gather. And uh, and if you can't make it here tonight, we do just pray for God's blessing for you, His journeying mercies wherever it is you may be going. Whether you're catching up on sleep or opening gifts or having Christmas dinner or traveling, we just pray for God's provision and protection over you. I want to thank you again for your faithfulness this year, as Pastor Kevin alluded to. It's your giving that makes all this possible. We gave you an update a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were trying last month. Uh, We were trying to get to 188,000 to finish off the year well. Last week we gave the update. We we now only need to get to 95,000. Well, this week I'm telling you that we only need to get to 65,000. So, so yeah, praise the Lord. So we're we're coming to the end. So we've got a a, a week and a half uh, to go. To so we just we just encourage you to be generous this time of year. And and really, we just want to finish well so we can start strong and do more for His name's sake for him and him alone, and so we just pray uh, for that need, and we just believe God will meet that. Well, we have been in a series for the month of December called The Light of the World, and in this series, we've talked about how Christ, I guess it's it's controversial, I don't mean it to be, but we talked about how Christ is the only light in a hopeless night, that he's not this religious, you know, God type figure among a variety of of religious gods, but that he is the one and the only son of God and that through him all things were made and that without him was not anything made, that he is the light of the world. And last week we talked about how this light isn't just here to kind of shine at you, to point out, you know, all the mistakes you made, that he created you with a design in mind, The light of the world really cares about you and the details of your life and and he cared enough about you to, to put you here. I know Pastor Kevin quipped, earlier that, you know, perhaps uh, his birth was not foreseen, and maybe you're here today and you were an oops baby. I won't ask you if you're an oops baby, but if you were, that's okay. We love oops babies, whether you're 2 or 92, but you were not an oops baby to Jesus. The Bible says that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. He wants his light to illuminate your purpose. Now, in talking about Jesus being the light of the world, there is something we've alluded to, but we haven't really talked about, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about that, because in talking about light, you also have to talk about darkness, that you really can't have a conversation about one without the other. Now, when you say that, when you hear that, it naturally begs the question, well, what is darkness? Well, I mean, if you, any, any science nerds over here, physics nerds, one, two, three, well, you would know that, you know, from like a physics perspective, like there really is no such thing as darkness. This thing that we call light, you see the light on me? It's shining. I would have brought my flashlight today, but I left it at home. It was too bright. But darkness really, from a physics perspective, is just the absence of light. So darkness from a scientific point of view is not a thing. It's just the absence of a thing. That makes sense? Uh, no. <laughs> we'll talk about it later, son. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to go too far off track, but this is because, you know, I mean, I, I I didn't come from a Christian home. I came from a, a Muslim home. And and so when I was reading the scriptures, like, I, I just knew in my heart that words really matter. So you have to be precise, you know. And so, like, darkness is not the opposite of light. The opposite of light is no light. It's the absence of light. It's Same with love, by the way. The opposite of love is not hate. It's not, right? The opposite of love is apathy. And so, if you get sloppy with your words, you'll get sloppy with your theology, and then you'll have to go to the spiritual principal's office and we'll set you straight. But anyway, so, but from a physics perspective, yeah, darkness is merely the absence of light. But obviously, we're not talking about light and darkness from a, a physics perspective. We're talking about it from an emotional, a mental, a psychological, even a spiritual perspective. The darkness in our hearts is really the absence of the light of light, of love, of life, of hope, of truth, of justice. We all have this darkness, but the question is, what is it and or where does it come from? Maybe you've heard that statement, or that question, sorry, uh, do you have a dark side. Anyone here have a dark sense of humor? You can keep your jokes to yourself maybe for today and tomorrow and the season, maybe forever. But, you know, when you hear that question, you know, it would be really easy to think, well, the the pastor is asking me, am I part evil? Is there evil lurking within my heart? And, And if you were to come to that conclusion, you would be mistaken because you're misunderstanding the definition of darkness. When I say you have a dark side, I don't necessarily mean is there evil lurking in your heart, ready to speed and to, and to gamble and all that other stuff. No, I, I, think, I think a better way to phrase that statement or that question would be this. Your dark side is the part of you that compels you to resist the light that can heal you because there's an emptiness in your heart A darkness, an emptiness that only the light of Christ can fill. Now, maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I don't know if I believe you. Maybe you're here, and and this is not uncommon during the Christmas season, but we have people visiting church, and they don't normally go to church. And and maybe you're here and you would say, well, look, I I like the lights, I love the trees, like the music, but I don't really believe in this stuff. Well, maybe for just a moment, take the religious connotations out of all of this and look at that statement from a non-religious perspective, because I think if you do, you'd find that it's still true. For example, in that struggle for better mental health, who is... Or what is the greatest adversary in your life? Is it your neighbor? Is it your coworker? Is it your in-laws? Well, they might not help. Or is the greatest adversary my own heart, soul, and mind? Maybe you're in a struggle or are going to be in a struggle to get physically fit, over the Christmas season, over your many turkey dinners and beef jerkies and samosas and the rest of it. But is your greatest adversary in your fight against physical fitness Burger King? Is it that pumpkin pie? I know those things don't help, or is it my own lack of discipline? See, even from kind of a non-religious perspective, I think we would agree that the great darkness that you need to conquer, the great void you need to fill doesn't exist externally, it is internal. And that the great hope that we need needs to be able to fill my own heart, soul, and mind. And it is the absence of that hope that leads to despair. It is the absence of that joy That leads to misery. It is the absence of that love that leads to apathy. And so, in this series, we've been reading the first five verses of the Gospel of John. And we've really been just focusing in on one verse per week. And today, we're going to focus in on verse five. But before we get there, let's read the first four verses. And here's what the Apostle John said In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so John is very clear that he is the source of all things. That you don't need to believe it, but from the Apostle John's perspective, he is saying that everything you need is found in him. He was there, not at the beginning, but at my beginning, at the beginning of our creation, our universe. Verse 3 goes on to say, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. All of space, matter, and time was created by Jesus. Not anything you see or can experience in all of life and all the universe was made without Him. He's eternal. In fact, if you're into physics and science and astronomy and all the rest of it, you would know that without God, there really is no hope for this universe. As our sun uses up its fuel, hydrogen, it'll start burning the fuel within helium. And when it does, it'll turn into a red giant and incinerate our atmosphere and we'll be gone. And that's the fate of every star. In fact, the fate of the universe is not only heat death, but after its heat death, a cold, lifeless, frozen universe. That without God, none of this actually matters. Whether you help an old lady across the street, whether you rob a bank, or whether you just lie and cheat and steal, none of it matters because it's all going to end in a heat death resulting in a frozen universe. Only in God do we have hope. Only in Him do we have life. And that's what John says, verse 4. In Him was life, and and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That there is no darkness that is so strong that it can overcome that which God wants to do. And when I first read this, I just automatically thought, well, by darkness, the Apostle John must mean that the the dark powers in this universe, the forces of hell and Satan and all his demonic minions, you know, the, the, the forces of this cosmic spiritual battle. And while all that, I think to a degree, is true, the Apostle John wasn't talking in such grand terms. He was just talking personally. He wasn't talking about the darkness all around me, but the darkness that's in me. Sometimes we do that, don't we? I I think it's called uh, like virtue signaling. You got to point out the darkness all around you as a way of masking the darkness that's in you. God didn't come to beat up all the darkness around you or just to do that, but He came to address the whole that's in you. He came to address the gloom that you live in, the guilt and the shame and the fear and the hopelessness and the grief. He came to shine His light in my darkness. And so for just a few moments, because it's a simply Christmas service, and we wanted to keep the service a little bit shorter for you so you can do all the things you wanted to do. I just wanted to share three thoughts coming from this passage as, as well as Isaiah chapter 9, that regardless of how dark that darkness feels in you, there's still hope because His light shines in my gloom. His light shines in your gloom. By the way, that word gloom, it just means a state of despair. It's a state of low self-esteem and and hopelessness because of a lack of courage to face the day, to face tomorrow. When I first came to church, I I, I suspect it's happening here in varying degrees. Uh, I suspect it's happening in most churches. But I noticed something when I first started coming to church especially during the Christmas season. And I only noticed it because it was literally happening to me. The guy at the front, you know, he was talking about hope and peace and joy and love. And it was all very happy and cheerful. And there were actually at that church, there was poinsettias as well and lit up Christmas trees. But I noticed that while he was talking about hope, there seemed to be this unwritten expectation that I needed to hold it together that I needed to pretend that I had hope and peace and love and joy. And even though he talked about the fact that there was hope in our gloom, I never really felt comfortable being open and honest with the gloom and the despair in my own heart. And and I I guess I'm acutely aware of it today because I had experienced it, but there are a lot of people who are struggling with gloom this season. In fact, I would dare say that there are a growing number of people who have lost hope and courage for the future you look at your family circumstance and you wonder how is this going to work out you look at you know your job or lack thereof and you wonder how is it going to work out you've been praying and believing for the same promotion or the same whatever for months if not years and you're wondering how it's going to work out you've been trying so hard to move into that house or perhaps even to get to this country and now you're here and the challenges you thought would disappear have just exponentially magnified and you're just wondering how are we going to make it? How are we going to make it when it's just so hard? And, and this is the part where I think sometimes it, it, there's a cognitive dissonance for us when we think in these terms. But it is possible for two things to be true at once. It is possible for life to be completely hopeless and yet for hope to still exist. That's a little bit of what we read in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah said, there will be no gloom For her who was in anguish, the anguish was real. Like the pain was real. At least in Israel's case, they had made mistakes, and mistakes were inflicted upon them. The anguish, the gloom, the pain, the tragedy was real. I suspect in your life, the gloom, the pain, the tragedy, the heartache, the heartbreak is real. But so is the hope. And that hope isn't found in me, it's found in His light. Because it is His light that gives us the courage to face the day. That it might seem hopeless, but in Christ you can be filled with hope. Uh, I have a little exercise for you. Anyone here going to make any New Year's, New Year's Eve resolutions? Nobody. Wow, have time, my how times have changed. One, one little guy. No, no, two. Three? Uh, uh, Oh, wow, not very many. Well, how about this? Clearly, you don't seem to be New Year's Eve resolution people. If you're watching online, let us know, although in in person there's not not many takers. How about this? So for those of you who aren't going to or don't want to make New Year's Eve resolutions, what if you were to do this instead? Write down five things that are filling you with gloom despair, and fear. And write them in a list. Start off with the thing that is the least gloomy and write all the way down to that which is the most gloomy. Start with that which is least fearful and write all the way down to that which is most fearful. Here's what you do. Are you ready? If He's given you the courage to face the day, take the top two things on that list and conquer them. Make that your New Year's Eve resolution for 2024. Because if He's given you the courage to face the day, then stop running. Stop pretending as if the hole isn't there. Just fill it. Fill it with God's hope, life, love, and peace. Do you want, anyone want to try that? I, look, I think we're going back to the resolution, some of us. Okay, that's okay, that's okay. Now, I, I, I feel what you're humming and hawing. Some things are really tough. Some battles are really tough. And and one of those areas where it's the most tough is it's in the area of guilt and shame. Because no matter where you go, you take that guilt and that shame with you. But there's hope. His light doesn't just shine in my gloom. His light shines in my guilt. I was reminded of a verse in Hebrews. And you've, you've heard it before. It's Hebrews chapter 12 just the first few verses, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I remember reading that thinking that there's this distinction, isn't there, between the sins that cling and then those things that are not, not sins, but they weigh you down. And they prevent you from running the race forward. They prevent you from running with endurance. And there are a lot of weights that you can talk about, whether it's vices, habits you ought not to have, certainly shame, but I would say guilt. I think guilt... And by extension, shame are among the heaviest weights that you can carry. And there are people, you know, you walk with such incredible guilt over what you did and or incredible shame over what was done to you. And the great tragedy is that as a human being, biologically, you were never created to live with the weight of guilt and shame. You weren't made for that kind of load. You you were actually created to live in a much more better kind of freedom, a life-giving freedom. And Isaiah even referenced that freedom when he said this, He said, for the yoke of his burden, implying that it's light. You know, that thing that goes on horses. It's not a heavy load. He wants to put a a lighter load on you. And the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken. God has broken the oppression as on the day of Midian. Now, if you come to church a little bit more regularly, you might remember this in an earlier story where Gideon was called by God to fight against the armies of Midian. And so what do you do when you got to fight a war? You get soldiers. And so he got 30,000. And to make a long story short, God said, no, that's too many. Bring 300. And Gideon thought, how can we overcome such hopeless adversity with only 300 men? And Gideon learned on that day that no amount of opposition can ever amount to God's favor and power over your life? None. God has broken brokenness. But therein lies the rub that many Christians fall into the trap of myself included. If He has broken brokenness, then why do you carry it? One of the most detrimental things that happens to you is that when you, when you live in that which is already broken, you are empowering your oppressor, whatever that is for you, instead of listening to your deliverer. God has broken brokenness. Like quite literally, the handcuffs don't work, so stop pretending to wear them. Quite literally, the door to your prison has been opened, so don't get comfortable in the sin that you're living in. God has broken the brokenness. So why live in it? Why do people live in brokenness when God has broken brokenness? And and just real quickly, I think it's because sometimes... The pain of life just adds up. You all look so beautiful today, but I've been doing this long enough to know that you have battle scars that have not healed. Like it just still hurts. And, and if you amount all that up, there's a word that really sums it up quite nicely, and it's just grief. There's a lot of grief in your life. Grief over the things that happened to you, grief over the things you couldn't control, grief over things that just didn't work out, just grief. But I have good news for you. His light shines in your gloom, it shines in your guilt, and it shines in your grief. Now, to use maybe more counseling language, what happens is that when you experience those tragedies, whether it was a loss of a loved one, a betrayal or whatever, things they just tend to layer, don't they? That, that habit that got the better of you, that person who hurt you, that need you felt that wasn't met, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it just it layers. And what happens is when you don't deal with those layers, man, they get deep and long. It, to use a kind of a, another analogy, imagine if every time someone told you to clean your bedroom, instead of actually cleaning it, you just stuff the dirty laundry into the closet. or under, Anyone actually do that? You, you're a one. You're a dirty laundry closet stuffer, you. We're going to pray for deliverance today in Jesus' name. Anybody else do that? I think my kids do that. One, two. I think you're too old to stuff dirty laundry into the closet. Anybody else? Anybody online? But I'll tell you what happens, though. It's never a problem the first time you do it. But when you keep doing it, The dirty laundry starts to layer, and you compound and magnify the problem and the smell. (laughs) And oftentimes, what happens is you end up creating new problems, new dysfunctions in your thinking, your thought patterns, your behaviors. And to, not to get too counsely, but but what happens is from an emotional, mental, and psychological perspective, it, it leads to this layered trauma, so much so that you, you can almost even develop a PTSD, a post-traumatic stress disorder, because you have layers of grief, layers of pain that you've never addressed, whether it's one cause, the root cause, and then the other cause, the fear of actually dealing with this stuff. And And... and The way not to deal with it is to pretend that it's not real, because it is real. Pain is real. Things do happen. Even when you read this text, Isaiah doesn't really go into it because he wants to talk about the hope. But even in talking about the hope, he addresses things that were hopeless in the past. For example, he says in verse 1, Isaiah chapter 9, he has made glorious the way of the sea, meaning there really was a barrier. The obstacle was real, but God made a way that it was possible for something to be hopeless and for hope to still exist. And then in verse 2, on them, light has shone. The gloom was real. The despair was real. The despondency, that feeling of a loss of courage and hope was real. So was the light. His oppressor you have broken. The oppression was real. The animosity between you and that thing or person ahead of you, it was real. The damage that had been done was real. But so was the freedom. And I think for some of you, you've got some layered up damage and, and you are allowing it to own you. The freedom is real. Then in verse 5, Isaiah says every boot of the the trampling warrior, every blood-soaked garment you will burn with fire, meaning that the adversaries are real. The challenges are real. I would dare say oftentimes they're internal as opposed to external, but whatever it is, it is real. But so is the victory. We fall into this trap so often. We, we overemphasize the reality of defeat and underemphasize the reality of his victory. We overemphasize despair and underemphasize his hope. That even if all you have are just 300 soldiers against a vast army, you have more than enough because his light of life, hope, and love is enough. Now, you might say, well, but you don't know my life, Pastor. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know how badly I've been hurt and how badly I've hurt people. There's just no way, there's just no way there is a love and a light and a peace that can really speak to my life. How can that kind of hope be possible? Well, Isaiah made that very clear. He said in Isaiah 9, right after verse 5, the reason why we can have hope, the reason why those living in darkness can have light the reason why there's a victory even in the midst of defeat. The reason why there's hope in the midst of despair. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Meaning the forces of hell will work over time to steal from you the blessings of heaven. let them do what they want because this isn't a normal son his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with righteousness and justice from this time forth and forevermore the zeal or the passion of the Lord of hosts will do this. God is passionately committed to shining His light in your life. But the whole passage really begs the question, while the sun may have been given, have you received? See, light, especially during Christmas time, makes for a great story. But Christmas is not about light around your story. It's about his light in your story. Even as we sang earlier, light of the world, you came down into my darkness. You opened my eyes and you helped me see how much I need him. And so as we just close with that same worship song, my prayer is that this Christmas season, while you will likely be surrounded by lights, either in your homes and or the shopping malls and other places that you would allow the light of life to shine in you, to remind you that even in the midst of despair, there is incredible hope because he is the light of the world. Church, would you stand and can we sing and close? Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. This is, this, is, this is your season. Lay it aside. And the sin which clings so closely, just lay it aside. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God the writer goes on to say so therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed so my prayer as we go is a prayer healing for you that the despair would be healed and that hope would spring forth, that the anger would be healed and that joy would spring forth. You know that it, 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 being angry can really take you out. You know that, right? Any any doctors in the house, isn't it like getting angry uses like a, like a million muscles in your face and it just wears you out? You ever get worn out from being angry? Is it worn out? Can I be honest with you? If, if you get angry all the time, you're probably wearing people out around you as well. Let that be healed, especially over Christmas dinner with family and in-laws. Let it be healed. Let that despair be healed. Sh- lift up your drooping head, strengthen those weak knees, because the light is here, and He's still shining. Amen, Church. Father, we just we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ to live and die for our sins. And thank you for raising him from the dead that in his life, his light, his victory, we too find that life light and victory. Father, for those who travel, we pray for journeying mercies today pray for a blessing upon their gatherings, whatever they may look like. And Father, for tonight, we pray as we we expectantly, symbolically light the Christ candle. God, we are getting ready tonight, not simply to have a traditional Christmas Eve service, but God, to celebrate and to live in what you did, are doing, and will do until the day you return. So Father, we pray for the blessing of your light over our homes and lives this Christmas season. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said or typed, amen. 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 Merry Christmas. (laughs) On three. Ready? One, two, three. Merry Christmas. And if I don't see you, and a happy new year. The Lord bless you, church. Uh, If you are able, come and join us tonight for our Christmas Eve service, uh, traditional candlelight service. You're not going to want to miss it. Be blessed. We'll see you soon.